Good evening. Kathy and I, we've been looking forward to coming. We're here. So you might say, my, this is very different. Where's the pulpit? (laughs) There it is. But you know, in the Bible, it's interesting that clay is a subject that we see that runs through Scripture. 22 times potters are mentioned. 32 times clay is mentioned. And 120, I'm sorry, 192 times vessels are mentioned. And we see this language from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. In fact, one day God wanted to get the attention of one of his prophets, Jeremiah. And he said in in Jeremiah 18, he said, go to the potter's house and I'll speak to you there. And so as we jump ahead to verse 6, he said, as he was watching, God began to speak. And he said, O Israel, can I not do with you as the potter does, declares the Lord. Like lay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands, O house of Israel. And so tonight we're going to look at what does it mean to be clay in the hands of the potter. What does a potter do with clay? Of course you did see how uh, a potter makes a pot. But there's a lot more that happens to this clay before he even gets it to the wheel in preparing it and what it's going to go through until it has, it's a beautiful piece that can be used. As nice as, and cool as that looks, it, I can't, it can't, nobody can use it. So it's going to go through a lot of different processes. And in that, we're going to see the processes that are very similar to how the Lord shapes us and prepares us for his use. The picture that you can see is a picture of a factory in Italy today, very much like what Jeremiah would have seen. There's mom working on a large pot, The next one, there's dad working on some pots. Later, we'll see grandpa loading the kiln. And uh, and so, but to start out with, clay is everywhere. There's, I don't think there's a continent where there's not clay. Where there's dirt, there will be clay. Usually down under the the surface of the earth. And clay is in a, it's under topsoil. Sometimes way, way down. Sometimes almost at the surface. But it's under, it's in a dark, damp place. And it's interesting, it says in Ephesians, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk in the light. And if you'll notice, there are two instances in which you would see clay to the naked eye. And there's some guys up there, they're going to be harvesting some clay there's a light vein of clay up there where that fellow is with a t-shirt. And uh, if you notice, the clay is down almost 18, uh, I mean, sorry, I would say probably 14 to 15 feet down. Some of you may remember that you were pretty dark in sin and you liked it down there. And uh, no thank you, I'm not interested. I know that when God called me, I wasn't really interested. Uh, but as he called me, it was amazing how the Lord took, took me and changed me. And some of you remember that. It doesn't matter how deep you may have been or dark in sin. He can can cause a mountain to slide away and say, today is your day of salvation. And it's, it's cool. Like David said, you've taken my feet from the miry clay and you've set me upon a rock. And you gave me a song. I love that. God gives us a song. And... uh, Now the other slide here, this is the second instance in which you would see clay to the naked eye, and that's, this is in the, in the Orient following the monsoon rains, where little tiny streams overflow their banks, and they wash away topsoil, and you can see large beds of clay. In the shiny areas, they've already harvested quite a bit of clay. And so uh, you might say, well, boy, that must be really soft and ready to go. But all clay... It, it has impurities in it. And a potter wouldn't take clay right out of the ground and throw it on the wheel and begin to shape something. Because two things are going to happen to that pot. He knows that there are impurities in the clay. And what's interesting, that they're exposed in the kiln, in fire. 
And then Corinthians says, all of our works are tested by fire. I don't think that's a coincidence. But it is, it's kind of cool. Because what happens, uh, a lot of those impurities are organic material. And they're 60% water. And so even though you, the potter can hardly feel them in his hands, he doesn't know where they are. They create a steam pocket. As the kiln rises temperature, that trapped steam blows the pot apart. But I mentioned there are two things. The second thing that happens to clay in the kiln is once it begins to get to 1600 to 1700 degrees, a lot of clays will just melt all over the kiln shelf. That's a bummer. That's why I said why the potter wouldn't waste his time to make a beautiful pot if he knows it's going to either blow up all over the place or melt all over the kiln. And it'll ruin all the good pots that it's sitting next to. And usually the whole kiln shelf you have to throw away. And so in the same way, you know, God knows us. We are sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's a remedy for man that God provide. See, God, God says in Isaiah, I am the father. You are the clay. I am the potter. And you are all the work of my hands. Isn't that cool? And so, in the process, what the potter does is once it's been removed and the clay's dried into, into chunks of clay, they're ground into powder and water's mixed into the clay. And water is a beautiful picture of the blood of Christ that, that cleanses us from all sin, not some, all. And in just a short amount of time, when that clay is stirred up like a gravy, all the impurities begin to rise to the top. And they're skimmed off. And we have nice, clean clay. But, even though that now there's no impurities in the clay, it'll still melt all over the kiln shelf. And you know, when you gave your heart to Jesus, God didn't just leave us there and say, well, you know, I cleaned you up, I offered my son and his blood cleansed you, and you better stay clean. <laughs> oh, don't you mess up. <clears throat> he didn't leave us in that place. In John it says, the Holy Spirit, Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit will be in you and with you. And he said, wait, wait and tarry in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father. Remember? He's the potter, you're the clay, and the promise. Salvation was given of course, he gave his son. Jesus gave his life. But that's not all. Salvation, the second part, is not that the Holy Spirit saves us. But what's cool is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why we get saved, so we can receive that. And when he fills us, then we have the power to overcome sin. And he's a teacher, a great teacher. He says he'll, he'll lead us into all truth. And so... He's a, such a wonderful agent, and that's like what the potter has to do. After the clay's been purified, the potter adds, they're called chemicals called refractories. And those refractories allow the kiln to go through the firing. They allow it to stretch. As you saw, that was a little piece of clay. It stretched out. It kind of all of a sudden began to grow. And without those refractories, it would split and tear apart in the wheel. It wouldn't have that elasticity to be molded and to be shaped. Plus, now it can go through the kiln without melting, without cracking or blowing up. Uh, there are chemicals in the clay that actually let the water escape in the process without destroying the pot. That's pretty cool. And so, <clears throat> now clay must stay in a moisture environment. That's very, very important. Because if it's not kept, see, notice I keep my, my clay in a plastic bag. And this old fella got out of the bag, and he's hard as a rock. I mean, he's, if I could fasten that to the wheel, I couldn't shape it. It would just take my knuckles right off. But potter doesn't throw the clay away. Remember I mentioned clay has to stay in a moisture environment. I think one of those environments that God has designed us to grow in and develop is the church, where the moisture, and that's a, a symbol for many things, at this point, it's going to refer to the fellowship of the church, the teaching of God's word, the work of the Holy Spirit, 
those are symbols in Christendom for water. And in the, in the clay metaphor, uh, it's very important, and we'll see it illustrated. You noticed I used water as I was shaping. Very important. But for the, water to, or for the clay to sustain, it has to be in that moisture environment. This guy got away from church. You know, he says, hey, come on, I got a business, and I'm busy, and I can't be going to church all the time and all these Bible studies and stuff. I mean, you know, I got to feed my family. And he kind of got away from things a little more and a little more. He started drying out. Turned into kind of a cranky dude, you know. And his wife wasn't getting along with his wife. Kids weren't getting along. I mean, the dog didn't even like him anymore. You know, he was a real crank. And you know, after a while, he's saying, man, it's just like, I, I, can't, I can't control myself. I get angry, and I get blown up, and I'm, I'm even cussing. Oh, man, what, what's going on here? And after lunch, you know, he's thinking, you know, I remember when I used to go to church and Bible study, man, I always had that peace, you know, when I'd go to work, I'd be excited about stuff, and I'd, I, I wouldn't lose my temper, and boy, Lord, man, I kind of miss you. Uh, you, you, would, you would you take me back? Oh, yeah. See, I have a slop bucket for clay that dries out. See, this is a casserole dish for a family of three. See it? You know, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I got plans for this guy. So I throw him in the slop bucket. And all that gooey clay and moisture, he just starts to soak it up. See, the church is a slop bucket. Sorry, Pastor. Don't, 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 don't take this in the wrong way. In the church, there's a lot. There's the love of the saints. There's worship coming into God's presence. And there's something corporately. When we come together, it says, when two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst. There's an experience, and I, believe me, we're going to talk about intimacy with the Lord that's outside of church, but there is an experience as we walk together as a community that cannot be experienced any other way. God knows that. He made us to be a part. We are a part of his body. You can't say, oh, I don't want to be an arm anymore. I'm done. I don't like that body. I don't like them. There are people that don't use deodorant at times. They get smelly, and people say things, and I've been hurt. I don't need them anymore, bunch of yo-yos. Now, that's trouble. But you know, the neat thing is in the, in the bucket, in the slot bucket, there's God's teaching, God's word that begins to soften our heart. And healing. There are those with gifts of healing that, that bind up those things and we confess our sins to each other and we begin to walk in the fullness of what God has for us. And sometimes without that, it's a dangerous place. We can end up like this. And, but you know what the potter never does? Even though this is hard clay and I can't shape it, the potter never goes, well, you turkey, I told you if you got out of the bag, you're going to dry out. And now you're just whining and crying and you're just a pain in the neck and I'm tired of hearing you whine. I'm done with you. I got, look at there, I got plenty of clay. I don't need you. You're out of here. Never. See, the father is waiting. Um, Lord, I really miss you. No problem. Let me just put you back in the slot bucket. Let's just get back into fellowship. Just talk to me. Go to church again. See your brothers and sisters. I'll meet you at church. And in a couple of weeks, I'm on the wheel, and there's that beautiful casserole dish. That calling is... I haven't, I've never taken it back. When you were young in the Lord, and you heard his voice, and he spoke things, and you've kept them in your heart. Now you don't hear them anymore. You don't see them anymore. You don't feel them. They haven't left the heart of, of the Father. When you come back in full abandonment unto him, he softens your heart and he brings forth that calling that he had in your life. And it's a wonderful thing.
Okay, we're almost done. When I was young, I could do this all day. <laughs> now, this is called a wedging. And this is called a wedging table. It's a very, very important place. Up to this point, we've been talking a lot about the salvation that God has provided. You can't save yourself. You can't be good enough. It's not about working hard. It's not about going to church every Sunday. If I just take off this much clay, it can say, oh, I want to be a mug. I want to be, I want to be a mug. Oh, I want to be a mug. Oh, I want to be, it'll never be a mug. That clay can say, oh, I want to be just like that one. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it sooner or later. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to... He's not going to be a mug. Until he submits to the Father. And he gives his heart to the Lord. And then the Lord begins to shape his purposes. And he, he may have thought he wanted to be a mug. But God wanted him to be a vessel of oil with healing and blessing for others. We don't know until we begin to get close to the Lord and yield to him. But now, if you notice, when I first started, the clay was real stiff. But I got into a rhythm, and it actually, I could feel it get softer and respond to me. That's called a wedging of the clay. And the rhythm of wedging is like the renewing of the mind, where it says in, in Corinthians, I'm sorry, in Romans, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the first part says, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed, but be transformed. So first of all, we give our hearts to the Lord. We've talked about that salvation experience. But if we're going to have the renewing of the mind, it's not automatic. Just because we gave our heart to Jesus. And renewing of the mind doesn't just happen because we sit in church. As, as great of a teacher as Sean is, and I'm, I'm sure he's an awesome Bible teacher, uh, your mind is not going to be renewed because you hear a sermon once or twice a week or really good teaching. <clears throat> no more than if you were to eat twice a week, you would be healthy. You need to eat a little bit every day. And so the renewing of the mind comes in, in those quiet times daily. You've heard of a devo having devotions, quiet time with the Lord. Daily, when we open God's word, we begin to read it, and we begin to listen for the Lord to speak to us. And there's nothing like that. That's a part of the renewing of the mind. If we simply study God's word to get knowledge, then we're good to, to win an argument. And God is not interested in, our, in us winning arguments. He's interested in us. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ, to have the mind of Christ, to begin to walk out in life what it's like to know Jesus. The world is waiting to see you. You have the Holy Spirit inside, and he wants out. No, not to leave you. But he wants the world to see him, his love and his power. And, and he, his job, part of his job is to, like a glove, to clothe you. And for the world to see what Jesus is like with your personality and your character. We're all very, very unique, and we have many different ways to express the love of God and his nature in us. But it takes the renewing of the mind, because without that, because you, you are either being renewed or you are being conformed. That verse doesn't say uh, there is not a third option. It says, be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so as we take that, that time, now let me show you how this kind of happens in a way. Uh, in clay. This clay that has not been wedged has been processed and it's nice, good, happy clay. 
But if I stick electrodes in this, the needle will not move at all. But clay that has been wedged for only two or three minutes, if I put electrodes into this clay, you would see the, the monitor, the needle will be dancing all over the place. And scientifically, it can be registered because in the process of wedging, what I do is I push and twist, push and twist. I'm not putting air in, I'm taking air out, but I'm creating friction in the clay, releasing a positive charge into the clay. And I'm beginning to line the particles for the wheel, for the clay to be shaped. But it, it can be, temperature, by temperature and electronics, be gauged the difference. When I read that, I said, oh, Lord, when I spend time with you, do you mean you want to take my heart? Do you want to wedge my heart and soften my, you want to release into me a blessing, a gift of the Holy Spirit, a blessing for me and others? So when I leave this time, I'll be more like you. Because see, this clay is now different. This is different clay, even though it looks exactly the same as what's in here. Submitting to my hands to be wedged it's now ready to step out into the world and be used by the Lord. And we need to feed ourselves. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. I am meat and I am drink. His words. So we, partake, we can partake of him every day. And that is such a wonderful thing when we develop that it's a good habit. Say hi to your brother. <laughs> now this is not going to hurt, I promise. You ready? Okay, here we go. See? He's connected. That's called commitment. Now, a lot of water. Come on, Holy Spirit. Now, this is called centering. I want to get all of the wiggles and the wobbles out. So as I begin to shape it, it's not going to be dancing all over. I, I can't shape it while the clay is uneven. The centering of the clay, I liken to Finding God's will for our life. And the centering is done, the wheel is spinning, it has to be, it's in motion. The clay is in, in, in gear. The wheel is in gear and it's moving. You, there are wonderful gifts about find, or books about finding spiritual gifts in our place in the body of Christ. but it's, it's found in the activity of loving others. The clay comes into center while it's moving. The next step in this is, is opening. And he invited me to do that. I know you didn't hear him. But like David said, search me, O God, and try me, and see if there be any wicked way in me. I have to take a little time on the very bottom of the pot and to be careful to build a foundation. 
I'm pressing clay down. Like scripture says that there is one foundation that's laid, and that's in Jesus, in his finished work for us. But a foundation is something that takes time and care. I don't want the bottom to crack. I don't want anything spilling out of the bottom. So, uh, Now the, the shaping process is called throwing. It's not like baseball. It's done while pinching the clay. There's pressure applied from the outside but the shaping of the pot is always done from the inside. Like it says in Philippians, it is God that worketh in you to will and to do of his pleasure. And I love the verse in 1 John 4 where it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, in, in this process of throwing and shaping the pot, there's just a little tiny surface of my finger that's applying all of the pressure necessary. When I'm throwing, I'm going to, that little pink, I'm sorry, it's this finger. That little pink spot on my finger is what I use to shape the pot. The inside finger draws the shape of what the pot's going to be. And it's interesting that Jesus said, if I by the finger of God cast out this demon, then the kingdom of God is here. And so you know what's really incredible? That it doesn't matter what kind of background you've had. It doesn't matter in the past what sin you've committed. The finger of God is, <clears throat> is powerful and gentle and loving to draw the shape of Jesus into your life, to make you like him. He has the power and the ability. He, see, different clays have more water. Some need more, some need less. Potter knows every clay. I know every inch of this pot. When I'm done, I'm gonna, there, there will be no part of this pot that I haven't touched. There will be no part of your life that the Lord doesn't want to touch, to purify, to bless, to empower, to reflect His beauty and His glory in your lifetime. Isn't that awesome? That's cool. <clears throat> Remember last week we were at the wedging table and you were talking about, you were reading about my servant David. And David one day said to me, Lord, enlarge my heart. And you thought, wow, that would be cool. I wonder what that is. And you were kind of afraid to ask me. But I've noticed how you've been so faithful in that men's study. And. <clears throat> I'm going to enlarge your heart. Are you ready? Ready? Cool. Okay. Now, I promise it won't hurt.
That was a skinny little pot, wasn't it? And the Lord was just waiting for him to say, Lord, would you enlarge my heart? Because see, a couple years ago, when he was pretty young in his faith, there was a missionary came from China and was sharing that, wow, we have about 150 people. We're crammed into this little room and we just have one little light bulb and we have no running water, no plumbing. And, and uh, he thought, wow, I'm a, I have a construction business, man. Boy, if I could get over there, man, I'd, well, we could make that place work. And he's carried it in his heart. But first, <clears throat> I knew that he, I, I needed to enlarge his heart because that's a vision for others. So he's ready now. He's going to share that vision and that desire because I've begun to sp- speak to him. And I said, you know, now is the time to go to China. And he's going to bring, he's going to share that vision and there are going to be others. He's going to take a whole group to further God's kingdom, to bless a church in another country. And God knows what we carry inside of us, that desire for the kingdom, to further God's kingdom and say, I have a skill. And like, boy, could I use that for the kingdom? And God says, absolutely. I've, prepared, I've been preparing you. And now it's time to go. And you're not going to go by yourself. I've already spoken to others. And when you speak the word, their hearts are going to burn like yours did four years ago when I first spoke to you. And that's the way the Lord works. I just love that. He is able to do exceedingly abundant, more than we can ask or think. And that's God's word. God God gave us imaginations to dream. And he says, let's dream together. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing. Now, for this pot, though, to be used... More, it's going to have to go into the kiln. That one there is going to have to have a handle on it. It's going to dry. I'll put a handle on it. But it's going to go into the kiln. And look at there. That's Calvary Chapel Canyon City. Cool, huh? You say, it don't look like a church to me. Well, let me tell you about that. There's a story in that. But notice how the pots are stacked on top of each other. They're not in the kiln by themselves. And so Mark 9.49 says, All are seasoned with fire. Peter says, Why are you surprised, brethren, by the fiery trials that come as if they're a strange thing? Difficulties and trials are part of God's plan for us. They, They prepare us for his work. Some of them are tests. Some of them are a part of life that strengthen us. And the first firing does strengthen the clay. It gets it ready. And it remind this story I often tell. There was a time when my wife, Kathy, was suffering with a condition called periodic paralysis. And I would come home, and she might be paralyzed from the waist down or from the neck down, the left side, the right. I never knew what I would come home to. I mean, it's horrifying to watch the wife of your youth just kind of fading away. One day you bring her to church in a wheelchair. But the wonderful thing about that was there were others in the church that helped carry us through that trial. We were put in the kiln. We weren't by ourselves. The enemy would say, well, if you got that problem, there must be something wrong with you. You've been serving Jesus for 15 years. and <laughs> See, he, he, he put shame on us. Like, oh, there's something wrong. Oh, I'm having difficulty. There must be, I've done something wrong. That's the lie of the enemy. If we're talking to him first. Because his promise says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And so we went through that trial. And on the other end, boy, the verse really came to my memory in Galatians where it says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And didn't say that his suggestion, it's the law. That it's a part of growing up. When you've gone through a trial, you know what it's like. And what's really cool is when you've had other believers around you encouraging you and praying you through, then your heart's been made tender. 
and you become aware of others that are suffering, and you want, you know, Brother Joe lost his job, and you say, hey, hey, Joe, come on over. Uh, every Tuesday, let's have breakfast. Don't worry, it's on me, dude. We're, I'm going to pray. I know God's got a better job for you. So it, how can we help you? But we want to pray. I want to believe for you because I lost my job, and I thought, oh, boy, it's over. But, man, God gave me a better one. And so in these ways, we encourage and we bless one another. Remember the, the environment that we need, that moisture environment? God designed us a family. That, that's why that is so important. Because we will all go in the kiln. And I bet there's 40 or 20 or 30 of you, they're in, you're in the kiln right now. So, amen? Some of you, yeah. It's hot in here. <laughs> but believe me, there's a purpose in it. So the first, when in the first firing, it, it's only um, about 1,700 degrees. It might take about 12 hours to get there. Uh, I mean, for the pot. I don't know how that translates in months, days, years. I don't know. For all of us, it's different. You know. But in that process, see, if I took this pot and, and, and it, it, it dried nicely and I got it trimmed, if I tried to take it like this and dip it into the glaze it would just crush in my hands because the glaze is made of water and powdered glass. So this clay, this clay has become dry and hard, but it's very, very thin. It's very porous. It'll suck the moisture that's in the water, in that mixture, and it'll just crush in my hands. So that first firing is very important. It's going to be, it's preparing the pot for that sealing. And so through that time, you know, God used us, even in spite of those difficult times. And it's wonderful how we go through these things and, and God is with us. Now, glaze, by the way, is not paint. You don't, if I were to paint this, this nice picture um, and put some Kool-Aid in it, it would kind of have a funny taste. I know that none of you ladies have Litton's latex as a spice rack in your, in your spices, right? Yeah. We don't either. Because that's what it would taste like. Because paint isn't designed for food. Especially if it's going to go into the oven. Man, it'll just soak up the, the food right into the clay. And vice versa. And, and you'll get bacteria. You can get real sick. And so the potter knows that... This pot needs glaze. It's powdered glass. And it is almost like baptism. It is dunked completely into the clay, into the, the bucket of glaze. So it's sealed on the inside and the outside. And that sealing is so significant because after a pot's been glazed and fired in the high fire, this, these are fired at 2,400 degrees, white hot in the kiln. Really, really hot. It's not quite there yet. This is probably about 2,100 degrees because it's kind of a yellowish color. It'll go red, orange, yellow, white, hot. And so, but in that process, see, whatever I put in this now, it'll never change its flavor. So when you think about that, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay that the all-surpassing power might be of God and not of man. And earlier it says in verse 6, and God spoke light into darkness uh, and has given us in the gospel the glory of the face of, of Christ is in the gospel. And then it says, but we have this treasure. And what is that? The very glory of God. When God fills us with his spirit and he sends this out, uh, the flavor is him. Is that flavor, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And his desire is to fill us up and to pour us out every day of our life. And the pots aren't just boring and dull. They have character. Every pot's different. Every one of you are different. And I've gone to, we've been to, I think, 20, about 20 states, 24 states. And we've seen all kinds of folks. And when I look through the crowds... Same darn thing. There is nobody that's exactly the same. We have twins and they're not the same. Identical twins and they're not the same. 
God knows every one of you. And that very personality that God shaped in you is to attract people to Jesus because there's, there's people you were born to touch. God knew you before you were born. And there's people that you can reach that no one else on this earth can touch. You don't have to be a pastor to touch people, to love others. We are containers of his glory, and he wants to pour that out. Man, let me tell you a little story. I, because <clears throat> I know what it is to be in a glaze load. And a glaze load can take anywhere from 18 hours to 26, 30 hours. Depend. I have a friend, his kiln took 36 hours to fire. Wow, that's a long time. But uh, I had a, a bypass, I had a heart attack, and I had five-way bypass. And in the, in the process of healing, you're supposed to, they give you a pillow to squeeze and, uh, and cough. And in that process, my sternum began, that's that big bone right, that holds your ribs together, started cracking apart. And so about two weeks later, they went, in, went back in to reinforce my sternum, and I got a staph infection. And living in the desert, valley fever, I had that fungus. So I had a fungus infection and the worst viral infection that you can have. And God took me through that. And after, one day the doctors came in and said, well, we have good news and bad news. And I said, well, okay, start with the good news. <laughs> and he says, you're getting stronger in these different areas, but the staph that is in the blood went into the cracks of your sternum creating osteomyelitis, which is a very aggressive bone infection. And they said, we can't let that spread to your ribs because everybody needs a rib cage. So we're going to have to go in and we're going to remove your sternum. And oh, by the way, I don't like those words, but <laughs> we're going to remove your pectoral major muscles, these two big muscles here, and reconstruct a sternum for you. And God, out of God's grace, I mean, there's only three in the world that have ever even attempted that. And guess where one of them was? Right in Vegas, where we lived. Cool. I, I went through that. The Lord spared my life, and I'm here. But in the process, I was really struggling. I, I lost my job. I couldn't work anymore. And uh, I was trying to put together two businesses, and I was kind of complaining to my wife one day, and I said, Honey, our daughter's getting married. We can't even put gas in the car and go to the wedding. She said, well, you know, why don't you quit trying to work on the mother two jobs? Nothing's happening. And remember Hands of the Potter? We did that just a little bit here and there. Why don't we line up a few churches? In two weeks, we had nine churches. When we left, we had 14. And coming home, the Lord had blessed us, and we made as much as I made with my other two jobs. Isn't that awesome? And then I remembered the verse. But let me back up. You know, in that struggle before that, it was like, I felt like somebody lit a match to my life, to my skills, my background, until there was nothing left but ashes. And you know, I gave him my ashes, and he gave us beauty. Beauty for ashes. If you'll give him the ashes of your life, the bank, believe me, the bank couldn't care less about your ashes. <laughs> but if you give them to God, see this glaze right here? This is ash, just fine clay, ball clay, and 50-50 ash from the fireplace that made a beautiful glaze. Isn't that awesome? That's an ash glaze. That's what God can do when we give him our life that's the, the ball clay, and our circumstances are the ashes. And you know, as the, as the kiln is fired, and it gets hotter and hotter in the kiln, there's a point at about, about 2,000 degrees that the pots begin to glow. And uh, you can't see the flames anymore. And you know, there are times when our tr the trials come in, we can, if we just keep looking at the trials... It might take a long time before we get tired of looking at the, at, the, at the flames. 
And if we'll say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on here, but I'm going to look to you. And what happens at 2,000 degrees? The pots begin to absorb the heat. Notice how the mother ones were glowing. Oh, well, that's okay. We can, we'll stay here. But in that process, the pots begin to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And I think it's like the Bible says, as we behold him face to face, we're changed from glory to glory. And if we'll look to him, sometimes God separates us from a lot of circumstances, from the most familiar voices that we might hear his voice and his voice alone. And in that time, when we, as we begin to hear his voice and we begin to stand before him, even in the midst, that might, that can, and by the way, at the very end of the firing when it is white hot, the potter introduces carbon. Did you see, the, remember the smoke pouring off? That's carbon, see there? And that's where the color comes out. And it, that atmosphere becomes black. That white hot becomes black. And that's when it's scary to think, God, where are you? The lights are out. Oh, no. no. And like the potter looking in the kiln, he says, and then that, when I was in the hospital and I thought I would not get out, there was a night of terror. And it was like I, in the darkness. <clears throat> I know what it's like to pull the port brick out to look in. And, I, and it was like in the darkness port brick was pulled out and it, the swirl began to get brighter and I could see through the hole of the kiln. It's like I saw the eyes of the Lord saying, here I am. Don't. Then we're almost done. And that's the neatest thing. You may be beyond the heat and it's gotten dark and you feel like God's abandoned you. And he's there. See, I never go out and play golf. I don't go fishing. When I fire the kiln, I take it through every phase of the firing. Because every phase, you can't go too fast. There are times when you have to control the environment of the kiln for the sake of the beauty of the pots. And that dark, that's where the beautiful colors come out in the carbon. The carbon, as the clay and the glaze become molten, they almost speak, they become as soft as that clay is. They, that carbon is just the clay breathes it in, sucks in the carbon. That reacts with the chemicals in the glass and brings out the color. Isn't that cool? And that's the point. God doesn't just want us to go through the kiln because we've done something wrong. He's putting us in because he wants our lives to reflect his beauty and his glory. And he's calling us to a quiet intimacy with him where we become familiar, where we look into his face and we say, here it is. I'm all yours, and I don't understand what's happening, but I know it's for your glory. And so, let's go, Lord. <clears throat> so some, I don't know where you might be in the process. Sometimes God calls us in the, in the most childish ways when we don't understand. And I didn't understand what was going on. I never dreamt in a million years I would leave that hospital and be able to handle clay again. But God knew. And he gave it back to me. And he sent me to wonderful places to the body of Christ with a message of his love and his faithfulness to us. Regardless of where we are in life, through the process, he is faithful. And just as I can say about this pot, every one of these pots, I know every inch I know every inch of every one of these pots and everything that's out on that table. I, I made them by hand. <clears throat> God doesn't make ashtrays. I don't either. He doesn't make throwaway pots. He created all of you with purpose and intent. He wants to shine through you and you can change this world. We can do all things through Christ. And what's neat is it doesn't matter about the past. We are all new creations in Christ. And we are continually being created. We are new creatures in Christ. And that's the wonderful thing, is we're new. <clears throat> we're, and his, his glory, his, his mercies are new every morning, every day. He wants to meet us and reveal his joy for the day, his blessing for the day. 
And that's the kind of God we serve. He's, he's awesome. And he loves every one of you. Every one of you in here. There's no one that he doesn't love. I'm going to close in prayer. And I don't know where you are along this journey, but if you feel there's a place you've felt stuck and you've been afraid, please, just yield that to the Lord. And just as you know, I, did you see, was I screaming at the pot or the clay? I never did once, did I? We were talking. We were having conversation. He wants conversation with you. He wants you to know the warmth of his hands, the tenderness of his hands. He's strength and firm, but he's gentle. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this day. Father, I, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is in us. And he's such a wonderful friend. And Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would rest upon lives tonight. Father, in, in places of confusion, of fear, Father, that you would just settle upon them. The, the gentle dove of the Spirit would just minister peace to each of our hearts. And those that are afraid, God, just let your peace overwhelm their hearts and their minds. And some here that have been struggling and fighting, Lord, let them yield to you. Let them yield this day and turn all of the ashes of life and the confusion over to you. And let them just wait patiently for the beauty that you have in store for them to experience and to know. God, I thank you so much that you're faithful, that you love us, and that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Come, Holy Spirit, and do only what you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.